Hello, Health Investor. Welcome to another episode of the Health Investment Podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Lisa Silvestri. Lisa has 20 years of experience as a physical therapist, over 12 of which are in the lymphedema and oncology arena. Her passion is working with the lymphedema, breast cancer, and oncology patient population, and her mission is to ensure every patient who has received a cancer diagnosis is able to have a great quality of life. Lisa works with patients one-on-one to help them eliminate their fears, gain strength, reduce swelling, and achieve their personal goals. Ultimately, she hopes to bridge the gap from prehab to long-term care in the cancer community. In the episode, she shares why everyone who's been diagnosed with cancer or lymphedema should work with a physical therapist, common misconceptions about cancer diagnoses and treatment, why the rest is best mentality is outdated when it comes to cancer and lymphedema diagnoses, and more. But before we hear from Lisa, I want to take a moment to share one of my favorite resources with you, which is thrivemarket.com. I used to spend about three times more on healthy groceries than I do now because of Thrive Market. Thrive Market is an online grocery platform that's essentially a mix of Costco, Whole Foods, and Amazon. Since Thrive doesn't have any brick and mortar stores, I can conveniently order fridge, freezer, and pantry staples in just a few quick clicks on their website or app. Then Thrive delivers everything from protein bars to spices to pasta right to my door. To read my full review of Thrive Market, steal my shopping list of over 150 items, and save additional money on your first order, visit thehealthinvestment.com slash thrivemarket, or just click through the link in the show notes. One more thing, if you've been on a weight loss roller coaster for years, trying everything from keto to Weight Watchers to Noom to exercising six times a week, but nothing you've tried has helped you keep the weight off long term, I have some great news for you. Outside of hosting this podcast, I work with clients one-on-one and also through my monthly membership to help you lose weight for the last time without dieting or exercising a ton. When you work with me, you won't just learn how to drop those pesky pounds for good. You'll also learn how to feel completely in control around all foods and how to develop effortless, sustainable habits that work for your unique lifestyle. To learn more, visit thehealthinvestment.com or connect with me on Instagram at thehealthinvestment. And please don't hesitate to reach out if you have any questions at all. I always love hearing from you. All right, it's time to hear from Lisa. Enjoy. I'm Brooke Simonson certified nutrition coach and your host of the Health Investment Podcast. If you're ready to look and feel your best without any confusion, frustration, or stress, you're in the right place. Each week, I interview experts and share no-nonsense, research-backed tips so that you can finally lose weight for good, eat healthy long-term, 
have the high energy you crave, and feel like a million bucks. I'm so happy you're here with me today. Don't forget to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Hi, Lisa. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Health Investment Podcast. I am very excited to be here. Just for everyone who's listening, I met Lisa in a networking group out here in the Bay Area. So very cool to have connected with you first through that and then now to share your wisdom with my audience. Thank you. Yes, um, it's, it's so great to be able to spread the word on health and wellness in general. And um, I'm really excited about what you're about and to share my story a little bit with your listeners. Awesome. Well, I would love if you could specifically just start and share what led you to become a physical therapist in the first place. And then we can maybe get into what led you to focus on lymphedema and the oncology arena. Perfect. So my father is a physician. So I think I always had the, the bug and the interest in me as far as medicine and I was led to physical therapy specifically because I wanted to be in the sports medicine arena and work with the athletes. And um, I actually did get to do that when I first graduated 20 plus years ago. And it wasn't as glamorous as I thought. And, um, you know, I got burnt out rather quickly. And 20 plus years ago, the industry as a whole was very different. I was seeing three, four patients an hour. And I just don't feel like I was giving optimal care. So in the early 2000s, I had a family friend who was unfortunately suffering from the side effects and the treatments from her breast cancer. And we started talking one afternoon and I can't remember all the specifics anymore, but she just said, Lisa, this is the first time something and someone is making me feel good. And it was just like the aha moment that people talk about where I couldn't remember the last time an athlete said, this makes me feel great. And I'm so grateful. Of course, I knew I was making people better. And of course, I knew they were appreciative. But it just was not that feeling of immense gratitude. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, So I started looking into what does cancer physical therapy look like and learned all about lymphedema. And that's what led me to get my certification. And I think it was just a blessing in disguise because I have truly found my calling. Uh, I believe that I do make a difference in the lives of cancer patients. My practice has changed and morphed over the years and it really is the first time for many of my patients where they're being touched with a loving hand Mm. and, you know, they've been through an awful surgery and potentially awful treatments such as chemotherapy and radiation and everything hurts and everything is difficult. And to finally be able to, you know, lay down on a treatment table and have someone say, this is supposed to make you feel better. Mm. And this is supposed to make you feel stronger and healthier you know, I mean, it's just, it's wonderful for both the patient and for myself. That's such a good point. Yeah. I didn't even think about that, how it's just the first time where you're probably, like you said, being touched in a kind, gentle way and not being poked and prodded. Exactly. Exactly. And that's also kind of what led me to 
create my business and the name Oasis Physical Therapy and Wellness because I want this place to feel like an oasis for patients. I worked in the hospital arena for many, many years. And, you know, number one, there's always a lot of patients at one time in a hospital physical therapy um, center. Additionally, it's very sterile. It's very mm. formal. Um, there's, you know, scratchy hospital sheets that, that have to be used. Um, and while I was dreaming of this business for a long time during COVID just seemed like a perfect time. I'm in a space where it's absolutely just me and my patient one-on-one. My, you know, clinic is designed to feel more like an escape and a spa and an oasis with nice soft sheets and pretty colors. And it's just, you know, supposed to be more like this in my opinion. And I think the industry is changing a little bit, especially for cancer patients, but it's, it's really um, made a difference in the healing process for people. When you first started looking into doing physical therapy for cancer patients, was there a lot out there or is this kind of a new and developing field? So it's interesting that you ask that. I just did a, a literature review on my own social media website. So I got my lymphedema certification in 2008. And there are still very few lymphedema therapists out there, but the field is growing now exponentially. But in 2008 was the first published research study showing that exercise was not only beneficial, but it would prevent potentially things like lymphedema from happening to patients. And I have seen the pendulum swing completely in the opposite direction. So, you know, the field itself is not new, but we are learning so much in the past decade plus, and it's becoming so much more at the forefront of the specific needs that cancer patients have. So, you know, it's, it's growing and I guess it's new in the respect that people are knowing about it, but it's Mm. not necessarily a new field. This may be a really dumb question, but I'm not (laughs) above asking those on here. (laughs) So you would say lymphedema and then cancer, are they the same thing or are they Uh. a little bit different? That's a great question. And as a teacher, you know, there are no dumb questions. Well, Um, (laughs) sometimes there were. (laughs) Sometimes there really were dumb questions, but okay, glad this wasn't a dumb one. (laughs) Not at all. So lymphedema and cancer are not the same thing. So cancer is a very generalized term for a multitude of diseases that are obviously very um, dangerous for patients, whether it's a breast cancer, a gynecological cancer, a head and neck cancer, there's a variety of different cancers that a patient could have. Um, Lymphedema is its own disease state that is often the result of cancer treatment, specifically when lymph nodes have been removed. So lymphedema is actually a type of swelling or an accumulation of fluid within a body part that occurs when there has been lymph node involvement or treatment to areas of lymph nodes. Mm. So does everyone get lymphedema after they've had cancer or just some people? Just some people. But I think that many, many people are unaware of the risks of lymphedema that um, might happen because lymph node testing and removal is 
standard in many surgeries to remove cancers mm -hmm. that it is something that I like to spread awareness about because it's something that most people all of a sudden something gets swollen and they don't understand why. And it can happen sometimes years after cancer treatment has ended. So it's one of those things that there's just not enough knowledge about lymphedema itself and that there is actually a specialized treatment for just that side effect. Mm. Interesting. So can you get lymphedema any other way or only if you've had cancer? There are other ways that patients can get lymphedema. There's something called primary lymphedema, and that is a congenital or a acquired type of lymphedema that most people have either from birth, uh, so at a, starting at a very young age, or they have a problem with their lymphatic system that they probably are unaware of until there's a trauma that sets the lymphedema off. So that is primary lymphedema. Secondary lymphedema is any cancer that is acquired from a surgical intervention or a known problem or uh, removal of, lymph of the lymphatic system itself. So anything due to cancer, sometimes it um, comes in conjunction with problems of our vascular and circulatory system. So there are other reasons why patients can get lymphedema. Uh, cancer is my specialty, so that's obviously why I focus on that, but I do treat patients with lymphedema of any other type as well. Oh, interesting, okay. Um, how does somebody know if they have lymphedema? Because you said it could develop years after even a cancer treatment. Yep, so lymphedema is often diagnosed after years and years of trying to figure out what might be wrong. So mm. it's really a diagnosis that occurs when everything else has been ruled out. So oftentimes patients suffer for years without answers. You know, is this a blood clot? Is this a, a cancer itself? Is this something else that's terribly wrong? And in the meantime, the lymphedema and the swelling can get worse and worse, and then it's harder and harder to treat. So if you haven't had lymph nodes removed because of cancer or something else, it takes a, oftentimes a long time to get diagnosed. And is it something that would ever just go away on its own, not cancer, but lymphedema, or does it need special treatment? It almost never goes away on its own, unfortunately. Mm. So it does require special treatment um, from a certified lymphedema therapist, such as myself. There are definitely um, specific trainings that we have that are required to educate the patient, treat the patient and help them manage it long-term. Because the other downside of lymphedema is there's no true cure at this point, we can manage it, we can get it under control, but it is a lifetime of education and monitoring for the patient. Mm. That being said, there are some new surgical techniques that are being utilized for patients that may be known as a cure in the future. Um, we're seeing really, really positive results, but again, that's another surgical intervention and um, they're still in the young phases, but they're showing a lot of promise. So is your physical therapy then geared to people who are currently dealing with cancer or more to people who are dealing with lymphedema? All of the above. Okay. So there are, like I said, there are very few certified lymphedema therapists around. So I will treat anyone who has a diagnosis of lymphedema um, or, a, or a lymphatic disease in my practice. I do focus on marketing myself towards the 
cancer community because there are very few therapists who also um, have that specialty, but I treat both. Most I of see. my patients do have cancer, but I will treat someone with lymphedema without a cancer diagnosis. I personally, until I met you, had never even heard of this field. And I'm wondering how many cancer patients or survivors or people struggling from lymphedemia, lymphedema actually know that physical therapy can be a helpful option? Um, again, the answer is not enough. Yeah. Therapy is so important, not just for the lymphedema education and potential treatment standpoint, but from the you know, physical activity standpoint, there is research that shows exercise, you know, a trained skilled exercise program can help the survival of three cancers and can also help to prevent recurrence in um, seven common cancers. So, I mean, there's, there's so much information and benefit that we can teach patients, but you know, if someone goes in and has a knee surgery or breaks a leg or an arm, it's very standard for them to be referred to physical therapy. Right. But someone who has a major surgery, such as, you know, a mastectomy or a surgery in their, you know, abdomen or tumor removal or other type of blood transfusions, they're not being treated with physical therapy standard. And aside from just the surgery itself, all the side effects from the medication can make someone fatigued and weak. And it overall, you know, decreases their quality of life and physical therapy can do a lot to improve that. It makes me think of the fourth trimester after you give birth, I interviewed a doctor who that's her specialty. And what you're saying, she was kind of saying as well, of just we rehab all these athletes or a broken bone or a sprained knee or different things, but then you give birth and then all of a sudden you're just supposed to be fine and not need pelvic. Yeah. You're like, who cares? Your pelvic floor is fine and everything's fine, but you've just gone through nine months of carrying another human and then birthing it. And then you're kind of just left to heal on your own or kind of figure things out. So it makes me kind of like a parallel there of people don't know what they should be doing to feel better in the long run after surviving something um, that, yeah, I mean, I would say is way kind of more involved and complex and probably a lot longer of treatment than something like a knee surgery. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what, how, I'm sure there's so many mechanisms and scientific answers you could give, but just (laughs) from the basis, how is physical therapy helpful? What does it do to the body to help with cancer treatment or with lymphedema? Yeah. So, um, specifically for cancer, when you have had a surgery, there's, you know, the removal of a tumor. So there's going to be soft tissue involvement, whether it's a small localized area or a large area, physical therapy can perform, you know, hands-on techniques to help mobilize. If it's a, you know, breast cancer is very common. What I see to help get a shoulder moving, the shoulder Mm. is very nearby the breast. And there's often a lot of times problems with shoulders. We can help with scar formation and just making sure that the tissue itself is not becoming too scarred or too painful. We can help with um, 
patients adjusting their posture. When we become in pain, we typically are very forward bent to protect an area, or we just get into these positions that we think are, you know, making us feel better temporarily, but can cause long-term problems. If it's someone who's having balance or walking issues from a different cancer, from, you know, chemotherapy, they're just overall fatigued exercise is very helpful. Working with someone who can work with their patient, excuse me, the patient's specific problems, you know, is, is very specific to what a physical therapist can do. There are also other, you know, specialties that can work with cancer patients, such as occupational therapists or exercise physiologists, but physical therapy in general is, you know, very specific to these large gross motor program problems. Um, for lymphedema therapy, it's understanding the lymphatic system as a whole, which most people only know that they have a lymphatic system because when we get a cold, we're told our lymph nodes are swollen uh, in our neck. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so our lymphatic system actually goes, you know, throughout our entire body. It's it's very complicated. You ask for non-scientific answers, but I have learned how to mobilize our lymphatic system as a whole to make swelling better, to make patients feel better. There are specific exercises that are helpful. There are different types of compression garments and sleeves that patients may need to wear. So knowing how to recommend those for the patients and where they should um, get additional help. You know, So these are very specific things that someone who is educated with cancer patients and lymphedema can help with. That makes sense. Cause my next question was going to be, how is physical therapy kind of different than just traditional physical therapy? Or, you know, if you have cancer or lymphedema and it seems like you're especially trained to target different areas and to kind of know the unique needs of somebody who struggled with cancer or lymphedema versus just a knee rehab or something. Per correct. Okay. Correct. And it's also important to know, you know, I get patients who are referred to me simply because they have fatigue and functional decline. And, you know, my education teaches me, well, I need to know some of the side effects of the chemotherapy treatment that they were on so that I can know, is there an underlying heart issue? And, you know, there probably are other physical therapists who would know some of that information, but to work with someone who's specifically trained, who knows that these processes are up and down and it's not a straight line on a road to recovery often, you know, these are, these are things that patients would probably wanna work with someone who has a little bit more education and knowledge in their disease state. Right. You mentioned the importance of exercise for obviously just overall health, but especially if someone's dealing with cancer or lymphedema, is there a specific type of exercise people should be doing? Strength training, HIT, low to moderate exercise, or what does the research say about, I guess, kind of the best types of exercise? That's actually a wonderful, wonderful question. And there is now actual proven research that a combination of aerobic exercise of moderate intensity, and that's a little bit different per patient, uh, three times a week, plus resistance exercise two times a week is the best prescription for a patient in their road to recovery. So a combination of aerobic and resistance, I typically tend to start a little bit more uh, slowly and conservative, but if a patient was an athlete who was doing, 
HIIT workouts or CrossFit, there's no reason they can't get back to that. Mm. Um, it might take a little bit longer. It might take a little bit more specific training, but it's absolutely possible to do all of the above. The recommendation now is, you know, most importantly to avoid inactivity. And that's the biggest change that I've seen since I started in 2008 was, you know, oh, just, just rest. That will help mm. you the most, just rest. And we have learned that rest is not best when it comes to this. Um, so that's really important to know. For patients who have lymphedema, it's actually really beneficial to work out in a pool, but of course we have to make sure that there are no reasons why they couldn't go in a pool, no open wounds, no open scars, things like that. But the pressure of the water is really great for patients who have swelling. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Do you have one or two client success stories that really stand out to you? You know, I think that there's always a few success stories of patients who come in that are so scared to move. They're so scared because they just are afraid cancer might come back and they don't know what to do. And now they're tight and they're swollen. And to be able to get this patient to potentially even just get dressed again, to have a patient be able to play a sport that they once loved, you know, to be able to open their arms and hug their friends where you might imagine after a mastectomy and surgery on your chest wall, hugging people becomes very difficult and scary. Mm. So, um, you know, I, I can think of one patient specifically who actually had a gynecological cancer and swelling in a leg and walking became difficult. And, you know, to be able to get this patient well-managed back to not only a walking program, but going out to the gym and, you know, someone who has to wear a very specific type of compression, which is not just your regular old pantyhose, but it can be bulky and it can be something that people don't like the look of to get them, to get this patient comfortable in being able to wear a compression stocking and a skirt. For me, that was a big win because we were wow. able to see the progress and just know that, you know, yes, this might be for the rest of your life, but let's make it fun. Let's make it better. Let's, what do I need to do to make you more comfortable? So you know, I think those are different patients, not a, exactly um, the success story maybe you were, you were thinking of, but I think it's just so important to be able to get these patients to feel comfortable. And like I said, hug their friends sometimes is a big success. Wow. Yeah. I'm sure everyone listening knows at least one person who currently has cancer or has had cancer. Uh, so I would love to know just kind of your tips for how we as family members and friends can be most supportive when someone close to us is newly diagnosed. So this is a wonderful question and every person is very different. And I have heard patients say, can you believe this patient, my friend said this, or my family said this, I think the best thing that we as a support system can do is let this person know that you are there for them and ask them, what can I do for you? What do you need from me right now, today, this week? You know, make it so they can give you a specific answer. Um, I think just knowing that they have a support system is most of the time the most important thing. I love you, I'm here for you. Can I bring you dinner tonight? 
Do you need a warm blanket for your chemo sessions? Because usually chemotherapy is in a very big cold room, you know, little things that we're not necessarily always thinking of are usually the most touching to the patient themselves. Yeah, that makes sense. I imagine it is a type of grief process, I'm sure. And it's similar probably to when someone is grieving the loss of a loved one. Everybody handles it different and needs different things at different times, but just being there and constantly checking in, I'm sure. Yes. Because I'm sure needs change frequently of what do you need now? What do you need now? Yes. Um, Yeah. Interesting. What are some, so you said kind of one of the misconceptions about someone being diagnosed with cancer might be that we think that everybody will kind of react the same way or that it's weird if someone's reacting a way that we're not expecting. What are some other common misconceptions about being diagnosed with cancer? You know, I I think this is improving, but in the past, what I've heard most from my, from my patients is that, you know, they, my friends now treat me with kid gloves. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm not as fragile as that. I want to be able to go out to dinner. I don't always feel up for it every day, but I don't want to be treated differently. So, um, you know, just try to, I can't say pretend it's not happened, but the person is the same. You know, everybody, like we just said, responds differently. And some people don't want to go out and they don't want to be social for a while. But again, we don't, we don't know until we ask what each patient needs and wants. Right. And one friend you have who experienced cancer is completely different from another friend. So, you know, not treating two people the same, I'm sure. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. But that's, that's an interesting point about the kid gloves. Cause I could see that being really frustrating if you're going through this and you're wanting just some sense of normalcy and everybody's treating you like they can't even touch you or come close yeah. to you. Cause you're this mm-hmm. fragile being. Right. Right. What are some misconceptions about treatment? I think one would be people don't know enough about physical therapy, but what else, however you want to take that, are there things you wish you would see that would change with treatment or, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that that is a little bit of a tough question because there are so many different treatments and what works for one patient might not work for the other. Some just need surgery. Some just need chemo. Some need a combination of all three. I think the biggest misconception I can make in a generalized statement is that it's usually much more in depth than, than people realize, you know, chemotherapy is very tough for most patients. There are a lot of side effects that we cannot see. We can see hair loss. We can see, you know, skin changes or fingernail changes, but we can't see all of the internal things that people are dealing with. Radiation is very intense and difficult for a lot of patients. And to, to try and write that off as, well, you're done with all your treatment. You should be better now. Treatment can take months, sometimes a lot longer. And then the recovery for that treatment, or excuse me, from that treatment can take just as long if, if not longer. And again, this is, this is why we say everybody's different. Some people might come through chemotherapy and radiation with minimal issues. And some come out with so many that, you know, it, it just is, it's a process. And I think the best thing for under, people to understand is that 
it could be a very long process. And, you know, things like physical therapy and different types of therapy and emotional therapies and exercise and support groups are going to be different for everyone. For some people, it's a lifetime. Wow. So it's, it's just, you know, realizing that it is a process might be a short process, but more often than not, it's a long road to recovery. How long do clients usually work with you? (laughs) Um, You know, I, I think that depends on a lot of factors. If I'm lucky enough to see someone right away after surgery and we can prevent a lot of the decline and I can properly educate this patient on the importance of, you know, exercises both with me and in the long run, I might be done seeing them in three months, give or take. There are other patients, especially my patients with lymphedema, who I see for a few months and then I'll say, okay, come back and see me next year so we can see where you're at. Do you need more therapy? Have you plateaued? Have things worsened? Have they gotten better? Um, You know, and I might make recommendations to other professionals who can help because diet might be something that patients need education on for fluid, you know, Mm. um, for feeling better with cancer treatment. And there are specialists in the cancer world who deal with that as well. So, um, treatment could be months. It could be months every year. It could be a couple of weeks and then you're done. Mm. Very, very different. If someone's listening and they are newly diagnosed with cancer, what advice would you have for that person of just kind of navigating next steps in the next several months, let's say. The most important thing I can tell you is to be your own advocate. Ask a lot of questions. If you don't feel right, make sure you tell all of your physicians because there's a whole team of physicians and practitioners who you work with. If you feel like you can't lift your arm or you can't walk right, ask for physical therapy or occupational therapy because the doctor's job is really to save the patient's life, right? Mm -hmm. So they don't always think about these things. And if you wait too long, things can get worse and progress. So be your own advocate. Don't be afraid to ask for more help. Don't be afraid to say, I've heard that exercise can be beneficial, maybe even before surgery, so -hmm. that you're a step ahead of the game after surgery. There's a whole new field called prehab. I won't even get into that, but getting as strong as you can before surgical intervention will help that much more after. Um, So, you know, be your own best advocate. Oh, and always have a second set of ears with you because Mm. people are usually so overwhelmed. They mishear things. They don't hear things. Someone else who can go with a notepad and write things down. That's, that's very helpful too. Right. Or I would think even just, you don't have someone record the whole conversation, just something where you can have some type of playback or like you said, second set of years. Yeah. that that And write your questions down also, Mm. because you're going to get in front of the doctor and you're going to feel rushed and you're going to forget to ask something. And it's hard to get in touch with them over the phone after the fact. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I imagine that's how you're also super helpful when working with someone, because you've worked with so many people who've had cancer or lymphedema that you can kind of guide them of specific questions to ask or different resources to follow up on. Yes. So speaking of resources, there are um, a lot of resources and websites out there for people with cancer and lymphedema. Are there any in particular that are your go-tos that you recommend? 
Um, there's quite a few for lymphedema specifically because that's a lot harder for patients to sometimes locate on their own. There is the National Lymphedema Network, um, www.lymphnet.org. And there is also the Lymphatic Association of North America, LANA. And um, I typically get this website wrong the first time I say it. So as long as they know Lymphology Association of North America, they can find that website as well. As far as, you know, great resources online, um, I find Dr. Google to oftentimes be more harm than good. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, going to the, the big American Cancer Society, local cancer support groups, cancer support community in Walnut Creek is a, is a wonderful organization to help with support groups and things like that. Um, and other large national organizations that can help you locate uh, someone who's local to you. I think that's the best thing. Yeah, but then going other down than the, that, yeah, stay yeah, off going, Google. <laughs> yeah, going down the internet rabbit hole is more causes more harm than good most of the time. I'm sure you also kind of have to censor who you hang out with. And similarly, I could just keep thinking I haven't experienced a pregnancy yet, but I think of my friends who have been pregnant and you know, people just offer their unsolicited two cents. And I'm sure just so much isn't helpful. I'm, a lot I'm sure is, and people are trying to be helpful, but I yes. think you yes. probably get a lot coming at you of, oh, my friend's brother had that same type of cancer and this is what happened. I mean, that's got to be scary too, especially yes. if somebody had your type of cancer and didn't end up surviving. Correct. Um, so Correct. you've got to, I think, probably just stay away from web searches and away from people who are going to kind of bring you down. Yes, it, it can be really, really difficult. And in this age, especially of social media, there is so much wonderful information out there. There's so many great resources, but there are also the ones that aren't as great. And at first glance, it's really, really difficult to know the difference. So mm. um, I usually wait for the patient to ask me what where should I go? And depending on their exact needs, I might make a few recommendations because a general recommendation, you know, isn't going to work for two people. Right. Um, so, you know, I think that weeding them out is a an everyday process. <laughs> is there a place that people can go to find physical therapists like yourself? Is there kind of a database if somebody doesn't live in the Bay Area? Yes. So a lot of the uh, websites specific to lymphedema will give um, like a find a therapist function where they can enter their address and look within a certain amount of miles. So again, the National Lymphedema Network does that. The Lymphology Association of North America does that. There are now some physical therapists that are becoming specialized with an oncology certification, and that's within the last five years. So um, on the American Physical Therapy Association website, you can find someone with that specialty. However, patient, uh, excuse me, therapists like myself, who's been doing this forever, I don't have that certification at this time. I still have a lot of the knowledge and experience with oncology patients. So asking around is probably mm. the best, best way to do that. Ask your local physicians, your local doctors, and hopefully they can help point you in the right direction. Right. 
Yeah. Well, I'm so grateful for everything you've shared. Uh, the final question I ask each of my guests is, in your opinion, what does it mean to make the health investment? And feel free to take that however you want. It could be related to <laughs> cancer, lymphedema, physical therapy, or not. I think, you know, in the most general terms, you are making an investment in your health to survive cancer, to survive with lymphedema and to live your best life possible. So making that personal investment in your health means, like I just said, advocating for yourself, asking the questions of where can I get more help? How do I get better help? Um, how do I get to exercise when all I want to do is lay on the couch? Mm. You know, knowing that you should be doing something to exercise, knowing that you should be doing something to eat better, knowing that you should be speaking with a certified professional who can help you, you know, go through these tough periods of your life. And every day is a roller coaster. It's up and down. Um, be your own advocate. Know that there is help out there as difficult as it might sometimes be defined. And many, many times patients feel like they are alone. You are not alone. The health investment in yourself is super important. And just, you know, ask the questions and, and try and find the answers because someone has it for you. Yeah, I love that. Where can listeners follow and find you? Um, Oasis Physical Therapy and Wellness is on Facebook and um, Instagram at Oasis underscore PT underscore and underscore wellness. <laughs> Um, and they can also find me on YouTube where I'm offering some information by looking up Oasis Physical Therapy and Wellness with my name, Lisa Silvestri. And my website is www.oasisptwellness.com. Wow. I'll put all those links in the show notes. <laughs> so impressed that you have a YouTube that, and you post quite frequently. I am, I'm working on it. So my latest endeavor was creating 10 minute exercise routines, because like we said, everyone needs to start somewhere Right. And working with someone who has experience with cancer patients and the knowledge of a physical therapist. I'm emphasizing form and certain ways to modify that I think are helpful. And now I'm adding some research components and a few PSAs. So once a week, at least I'm trying that's great. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> way to go. Well, again, thank you so, so much for being here. This is a unique episode. I haven't had anyone on yet to speak to cancer or lymphedema or physical therapy related to both of those. So just grateful for having you and for your time. And I look forward to staying connected. I am very grateful and thankful to you as well. And I appreciate the opportunity to get this information out there. And um, thanks so much. Well, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining me here on the Health Investment Podcast. I'm so grateful for each and every one of my listeners. On your way out, remember to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs.
Do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast.